Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. Hope you're doing well today. And if you're new here, every Saturday we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee. Now, that being said, in today's episode, I'm talking about Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Shapeshifts, Crypto Game Changer, our usual 404 Logic Non Found segment, and more. So make sure you stick around to the end of the episode for all of those good updates. But as always, let's kick it off with questions from you, the awesome folks who support Crypto Over Coffee week over week. And uh, if you want one of your questions answered, make sure you leave them in the comments below. Tweet me at Hashoshi4 or leave them in the Hashoshi Discord, which is linked in the description box below. If you would be so inclined, of course, please do subscribe to the channel, follow the podcast and hit the notification button on your platform of choice so you can get a heads up whenever I post new episodes. So let's go ahead and dive into these questions. Now, the very first question of the day is from Janos Barna. Are you taking profits in ETH or stable coins? Do you think it's better to take profit in USDC when things are really going parabolic? And so last week we talked about taking profits and sort of the, the strategy behind taking profits, at least from my perspective. My perspective is only one, there are many. But I think that when you're taking profits, it's generally okay to take profits from, you know, maybe riskier altcoins into bigger cryptocurrencies like ETH if you're in that ecosystem, right? So if you're using Uniswap and you want to take profits, moving to ETH is an okay idea. If you're on a, you know, sort of a, a decentralized exchange or just a regular exchange and you're trading and you can move to Bitcoin, you can also do that as well. But it really, really depends on what you see as the, you know, the future of that asset, you know, there's volatility in both. And so you could end up losing or gaining some value if you take profits into those assets. So stable coins in that regard are actually a fairly reasonable bet. However, you are exposed, of course, to the natural fluctuations and sort of the natural valuation of the fiat currency that those are pegged to. So in this case, USDC is pegged to the US dollar. It's relatively stable in terms of the value of the actual um you know one to one peg to the dollar but the dollar of course fluctuates so there's no place where you're gonna 100 percent balance your spending power protect your spending power or, or have guarantees of that uh, so it really depends on what you want to do i think usdc is probably uh, a great bet especially if you're using you know many of these different exchanges because it's it's supported almost everywhere in terms of uh, exchanges and decentralized exchanges and DeFi protocols, etc. So that's a fine choice, but really it's up to you. Personally, I do a little bit of a mix, Bitcoin, Ether, and stable coins. So I hope that helps. Now, the next question is from Don R. What are the less obvious uses that you see for NFTs other than collectibles? I see NFT docs and all kinds of trust applications. Yeah, so Don, this is another really interesting one, and it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. I love NFTs, and I think that there's so much more to NFTs than just collectibles. Now, I think one of the obvious cases that I guess you could argue is collectibles, but I think there's it's more utilitarian, is gaming. So in-game items, I think, is a huge place where NFTs are going to be applied. The ability to have composable NFTs where you have, you know, uh, gold bars and uh, wood and uh, ray skin in a game, and then you can make a gold samurai sword by uh, smelting those things together in game. So you basically, the input is, you know, let's say three units of gold, which is sort of a, a fungible-ish asset, 
and then you know a bunch of other random things and you make a one-of-a-kind sword in the game that represents a new nft that you've created through the disposal of other nfts so you have this like composable environment that's going to be huge but i also think that there are more practical applications as well nfts for event tickets is another big one authenticity and scalping and other things is a huge huge problem in the the event ticketing space being able to prove that an event ticket is in fact valid where did it come from if the the event runner can sign a transaction to you to issue you an nft that represents your one or two or however many tickets you buy it's easy to prove that your ticket is authentic so i think that's another really big use case that will end up coming out into the mix and there's a couple of protocols out there like uh, the get protocol get uh, that's that's doing something like this but there's so many out there and of course credentialing for individuals right the ability to uh, receive uh, certificate certificates or certifications in general uh, as nfts i think is a big one and i think you were pointing towards that trust applications uh, being able to trust that you received a certificate or a valid um, accreditation from an institution i think would be another value prop for for nfts um, so the possibilities are endless and uh, thank you so much for your question i love talking about this type of thing and the third and final question of the day is from bob wong i uh, hope you feel better soon uh, i do feel much better thank you last week didn't feel great but i'm back to normal now uh, why are there these crypto bull runs i understand the four-year having of bitcoin has to do with it but people already know about the event shouldn't that already be factored into prices and I guess caffeine doesn't affect you at all. Actually, caffeine does affect me. This is my second cup of coffee for the day, um, which I need a sip of. Uh, so caffeine does affect me, but uh, I have a bit of a tolerance from drinking so much coffee. So why are the crypto bull runs? I think the crypto bull runs are largely derivative of sort of, you know, yes, the excitement of the cycles in Bitcoin, but I think it's also just the growing maturity of the crypto space, people being more aware of it, people being more aware of the reasons why crypto is valuable, uh, the, the environment maturing, there being more use cases, DeFi, NFTs, CeFi to an extent, it's like centralized finance, which uh, offers you yield on your cryptocurrency. There's all sorts of reasons, but I think the bull runs are often cyclical mostly because the the world is cyclical right economies change over time um there's there's shifts in the macroeconomics around the world that change where people want to put their money i think the pandemic and all the stuff that's happened in this last uh, year and a half has really pushed a lot of people towards crypto because there are a lot of places where fear of inflation is at an all-time high there's people that are aware now of stimulus and what the effects are on the economy you know broadly both positive and negative and so th those are some of the reasons why i think we get you know these crypto bull runs because you have this inf influx of money and now you have institutions that are also fearing you know inflation and they're running in and so it sort of changes who and where the money is coming from but ultimately it's just these these cycles of attention and hype and growth and maturity in what is a very nascent space um, and i think this will continue uh, but i just I, I don't know that we will continue to see four-year cycles and that's almost like a, a true pattern i think it will start to be more varied and i think we're already starting to see divergent from divergence from that pattern so uh, really, there's no way to know for sure, Bob, but these are just some of my general thoughts. And yes, the halvings do make a difference, but uh, even this time around, uh, the halvings, um, 
made a huge impact in the short term, but I think the halving is less of what's driving Bitcoin right now to all-time highs, and it's more so um, institutions, um, macroeconomics, and just true supply and demand, you know, even outside of the fact that there's less Bitcoin being created every single day. Of course, it matters, um, but we'll see on the next four-year cycle how this pattern sort of continues to unfold. Thank you for your question. Let's go ahead and dive into the news section. Now, I did want to just issue another friendly reminder, as I do every single week. Please be aware of scammers that are in the comments below posing as me, actually on all sorts of platforms. I don't have a WhatsApp, and I will not ask you to contact me on Telegram, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, anywhere. So if the comment on YouTube specifically does not have my name highlighted like you see on the screen, you can go ahead and report them. So be safe out there, folks. And in partnership with the folks at Kobo, I give away a Kobo tablet steel seed phrase backup in every episode of Crypto Over Coffee, and I pick a winner by random comment from the YouTube video. Just for transparency though, the product is only available in select regions, so if you win and you're from an unsupported region, I'm gonna send you Bitcoin instead. But the winner of last week's giveaway for the Kobo is here on the screen, so big congratulations, and I will be in touch. Also wanna mention the coffee of the week is from Onyx Coffee in Arkansas. Fantastic coffee. This is a Rwanda Kanzu. Delicious, made over, pour over. Um, yeah, not sponsored. In true crypto over coffee tradition, though, let's start with a Bitcoin update and price analysis, which I will start with by raising a glass for a coffee toast to celebrate Bitcoin reaching new all-time highs like we've been talking about for weeks now on this show. The long periods of consolidation and volatility finally paid off with new all-time high peaks of 64.9 or 65k depending on where you look so cheers to that however unfortunately the end of the week turned out to be a little bit less than ideal as the gains that we had all the way up to all-time highs for from 60k support evaporated leaving us back at the 60k flat at the time of recording so this has prompted lots of talk about the bull run being over again and i will say that Again, I have yet to see much evidence of the bull run being over and that being the case. On-chain metrics still look good, sentiment on the market is still positive, and the build-up to new all-time highs were not necessarily as ravenous as the last big run-up we saw. Would I rule out some time spent in the 50Ks? No, I think it's possible, if not likely, but I do think that this week shows you just how fast things can turn in both directions, good and bad. So please use good judgment. Consider whether you want to take profits off the table at each of these bull runs or these runs up, I guess, new all-time highs. And I'm not going to tell you how much or when because it's unique to you, but just be thinking about your strategy as you go forth. Now, OG Hashoshi viewers will recognize this as a return of an old series that I used to do on the channel early on, and I'm stoked to bring it back, and that is Fact or FUD. In this game of Fact or FUD, I take a piece of no good, very bad news in the crypto space and tell you whether it is fact or simply fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So let's do this, shall we? This week is you know, a topic that I like to call the walking dead, because no matter how many times it seems to live and die, it just comes back again. And that is the dreaded India crypto ban. There's this narrative in crypto that the one and a half billion people who live in India being banned from crypto would send all the markets into destitution. 
Now, I don't disagree on the premise that a ban in India would hurt crypto, but I do not think that one country is make or break either. So based on estimates right now, this is an estimate made by me of active users on Indian crypto exchanges. I'd be willing to wager that there are around 10 to 15 million crypto holders and traders in India. So not a huge proportion of that massive population. These are rough order of magnitude. Let's look at the facts outside of that, though, to see how realistic a ban actually is. First of all, the Supreme Court in India not so long ago struck down a ban on crypto in the banking system of India, which would allow then banks to serve and service crypto companies again. And this sets a precedent that crypto companies are legal entities. Secondly, all the talk about India banning crypto reminds me a lot of the stories in the British media about football or soccer players moving to another team or cheating in a game of FIFA with their friends. It's all based on anonymous leakers to publish a headline, which to me is really indicative of being completely made up. Now, there seems to be very few stories that have genuine sources or direct quotes, but there are direct quotes, on the other hand, supporting the idea that a ban won't happen willy-nilly. Like the finance minister of India talking about a calibrated approach, quote-unquote, to regulation of crypto, and that regulations will not be as severe as people are thinking. That doesn't sound like a ban is coming to me, does it? Now, I mean, I actually think this is a two-for-one factor FUD session, because... Based on what we discussed, I think we can conclude that first, even in the worst case scenario of a ban, India itself would not crush the entire crypto market with tens of millions of crypto investors being pulled out of the game. And second, I have found little evidence that a ban on crypto is in fact coming or is even in the works. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is a curious case of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Now, I've been getting lots of questions as well about my Dogecoin investing strategy, like what I think of it, whether I'm invested and what I do. So I figured due to popular demand, I will deliver on that ask for the first time. Here's the deal. Fundamentally, no one can refute that Dogecoin is a meme coin, okay? It's not actively developed. It was created as a joke, as stated by its sole creator who spent virtually no time building it. That alone, though, does not mean it is useless. Because in a free market, the people decide what something is worth with supply and demand, among other things. I respect that people on Reddit, TikTok, etc., whatever, popular culture, are exercising the right to value an asset based on their own metrics and not those that Wall Street or some other authority might impose. That being said, here is my grand Dogecoin strategy, and I will preface it by saying that I'm not telling you to copy it because Dogecoin is a risky play, and you can get burned badly, as many, many people have, as I have. Of course, this is not financial advice, and we have that now as sort of the ground rule. As we've seen several times, Dogecoin rides popularity and hype curves for short periods of time up to prices higher and higher, usually after a period of total desolation. I usually wait for what I think is the bottom which is when basically no one's talking about Doge and it's at pennies in price. And over that time, I will start to dollar cost average in small amounts of money, small amounts. And then when the next hype cycle comes, when it inevitably comes, I think we've had it three or four times now, I have some Doge purchased at low prices to ride up wherever the hype takes me. Now, the key part of the strategy comes right now. I take profits. I don't care about missing higher highs. I cap profits. Now, some of you might hold Doge long-term in big bags and more power to you, 
but I don't personally do so. And that's not to hate, that's just my personal opinion. And this has worked for me in the past, but of course this market is a casino. So please be risk conscious and know that this is not a surefire win. Frankly, the odds are actually quite bad. So be safe out there, but there's my strategy. Now, this next story, folks, is one that I'm shocked, absolutely shocked about how little attention it's getting compared to what, in my opinion, it should be getting. The popular non-custodial crypto exchange swap and trading platform Shapeshift just launched cross-chain trading of native, native Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin. This means that on Shapeshift's decentralized exchange mobile app and soon on their web app, you can trade real native Bitcoin for Ether and back again. So you're not screwing around with any of these wrapped ERC-20 tokens that represent Bitcoin in the form of an ERC-20 on Ethereum's network. You're trading with native BTC and native Ether on their respective chains. Now, this type of trading interoperability is a boon for DeFi use cases and simply accessibility for traders to use their own self-custody crypto wallets to move between major assets and blockchains that live in different places without the need for an exchange. So how did they do this? They used ThorChain, a decentralized liquidity pool network that establishes bi-directional bridges between major blockchains like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, etc. This ThorChain network, powered and secured by the native Rune cryptocurrency, which I am a fan of, is a powerful piece of technology that I encourage you to take a deeper look at to understand how it works. This is just one use case that I think it can address that the space desperately needs from a pure user experience perspective. The crypto space needs interoperability. You know, I've talked about this so many times. And at the very least, interoperability in terms of the exchange of native assets is a start. So really cool stuff here, um, really cool. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And speaking of attention, if you want to help this particular episode get some attention from the algorithm robots, please do hit that like button, get subscribed, follow the podcast because it tells the robots that you're enjoying the content and others might also enjoy it. So thank you so much for that in advance. Now, today's absence of logic is meant to be consumed with a warm or in my case, lukewarm cup of coffee. So make sure that you have one in hand. The topic is CBDCs, or central bank digital currencies, which seem to only be getting louder and louder as a topic these days. Essentially, the idea is that a CBDC is a central bank offering where the native fiat currency of a given place would be offered using a distributed ledger or a derivative of distributed ledger called a blockchain, which you might have heard of if you're watching this channel right now. You might have heard of blockchain. Now, physical cash would eventually go away and all issuance and transactional events would happen on this digital network using a digital currency, otherwise referred to as a cryptocurrency. Now, the idea of such a massive institution, if not the institution of the world, effectively using cryptocurrency for money supply seems like this bullish event, the bullish events of all bullish events. It's tempting to think, oh, now we go mainstream when this happens. But I'm sorry, folks, that's not the case. What this will most likely be, and unapologetically described as by some of the supporters of CBDC, is a new and more powerful means by which to entrench control over the money system by the select few. When digital currency is used in the place of fiat cash, every single transaction you make 
could be subject to scrutiny and locked in digital immutability. It becomes easier to decide to lock someone out of the money system completely at the flip of a switch. And the friction for issuance of new money supply becomes even lower, as if we thought that that friction could be lower. Now, there are positives. For example, this type of system would make our money system more efficient transactionally without the cost of physical denominations and the management of physical financial systems. But to me, that's not enough to outweigh the downsides that could unfold. Could is the key word here. When a network is controlled by a few select parties, let's just say red banks and regulators, it's not a decentralized network. And there is no CBDC design that I've seen out there where the people play a major part in its governance. And that is the only circumstance in which I would support a CBDC if it's really truly a decentralized network where everyone gets to participate. And while it's a cool thought to imagine the whole world transacting with what is effectively a cryptocurrency, we must consider the true meaning of such a system. And this may come off as super tinfoil hat conspiracy-like, and I don't intend it to be, but I cannot in good conscience support an idea that would even potentially enable fine-grained surveillance of an average person's purchases or to completely freeze undesirable people out of a financial system. That's not a power that should exist. Of course, I acknowledge that this world kind of exists already with credit cards and other payment systems, you know, making transactions almost, um, you know, traceable to the nth degree. Still, the theme remains the same. I do not consider CBDCs to be included in the cryptocurrency industry, despite their technical classification as cryptocurrencies. They don't match the decentralized governance and community-focused mission that I believe cryptocurrencies should have. Of course, this is solely my opinion, solely my opinion. As such, anyone believing that a successful CBDC remains uh, or means a success for the cryptocurrency world must be met with a kind and respectful 404 logic not found. Now, as you know, I'm a fan of security keys or hardware devices that support authentication and two-factor for various online services. Now that said, I believe that you should know about the various options that are out there for these security keys. And I came across a somewhat new one recently called the Solo Key. And I've been testing the, the V2 version with NFC capabilities for a while now. Now for transparency, I got sent this key for free to test, but I took my time to use it to build my own opinion. Uh, I was given zero guidance on what to say here, just so you know. There's a lot to like about these keys. They're open source, which means that you can verify the firmware very easily. They are dead simple to use, as most security keys should be. And this will work on pretty much any service that you're used to using hardware keys on, like Gmail, for example. Basically anywhere that supports the universal U2F or FIDO2 standard. I also really like the fact that you can update the firmware on this device to keep up with the ever-changing security landscape, which is done through signed firmware update packages to make sure you're not sideloading malware onto it. Now, physical design-wise, the product is by no means this Apple-esque, metal, heavy, beautiful design. It feels light and plasticky, and it almost feels like it's breakable, but it actually is pretty durable. In this case, that's not an issue. This is a utilitarian tool, not a statement piece that you hang on your wall. It's relatively durable with the core computing components encased in a solid pool of epoxy at the heart of the device and a reversible USB connector at the top end that's all in one piece. So all in all, this is a solid security key across the board that's worthy of consideration if you are looking for one. And you can find the Solo Key V2 for about 40 bucks and it's available on Indiegogo. So I will leave the link down below if you are interested in checking it out. But folks, that is going to do it for Crypto Over Coffee this week. 
Uh, as always, I'm super appreciative of all the time that you spend watching the channel. And if you have some time to stick around, I do want to point you to my top three VPN picks video because I think everyone should have a VPN. It's not a one size fits all solution for security, but it's a good first step uh, towards protecting yourself online if used properly. And of course, thank you so much for watching. I hope you and your family have a wonderful week and weekend ahead. And until next time, cheers.